Okay, I understand, Simo, that you're claiming to have some stuff in common, I suppose, with, with some of our guests. Well, you know, there's a couple of things in uh, in this episode. There's the uh, the grockle box, yeah. of course. Yeah. And uh, we've been involved with some singists ourselves, haven't we? Yeah, kind of, although uh, it has to be said, you didn't really do too much for steps when the round table generator died. I think you've sussed us by now. We love to talk about property and bring you excellent guests and well-informed opinion about all things property. And this episode, is a, it's about a type of property that gives you a, a different view each time you get behind the wheel, Simo. Yeah, it does. And it's going to be great because we've spoken about my grockle box experience in, in the past. And, uh, you know, we've even, we've even brought you The Right Move, the property podcast from the Grockle Box, if you remember, last year. Yeah. But we are talking motorhomes. And actually, it's funny because back uh, back in October, I, I funnily enough, upgraded to a motorhome from the Grockle Box. But, uh, yeah, we'll touch on that if we've got time later on. We've secured a chat with uh, the motorhome dealer, the motorhome dealer, who has this hugely popular podcast on that very subject. I, I think you'll struggle to find a greater authority than Motorhome Matt, who is up first on the podcast. So that'll be here before Simo can fire up his grockle box. Indeed. And then, you know, we've got Andy coming on. Andy, who spent uh, all this time living out of a motorhome. And we say about property, and this is the whole thing. It's, it's just a different kind of property. And uh, there's a lot of people going nomadic now. There really are, you know, getting getting out there in uh, in vans and what are they calling it? Van life. Yeah, he has lived the hashtag van life. He's done the off-grid living thing. So we get Matt's take on it, but also somebody who has really given up on traditional life for a big chunk of a year. And they've just gone off and done this thing with the family. Fantastic. You know, very uh, spontaneous sounding. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, there are people that can do this. And there are, yeah, there are people out there who really just spontaneity. Is that a word? What are they? Spontaneity. That's the one. That's the one. You know, getting out there and just heading for the hills, really. Yeah, heading uh, heading on off and uh, seeing the world. And a um, bit of a question for you. With your uh, agency hat on, putting property on the market, would you ever sing for a property? I don't know. I'm tone deaf, me. But uh, I might rap for a property. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can see that happening. Yeah, in fact, let's make that happen. <laughs> you laugh. I wish you would. We've found... <laughs> we've found the singing estate agent. Claire Cossey has uh, taken a Lamar song. She's uh, an independent agent in the Bedfordshire area, changed the lyric, shot a video, and is marketing a house in a way that is, well... It's unique, to say the least. Oh, it's brilliant. I'm really looking forward to this. And I think this episode is going to bring a lot of smiles to a lot of people's faces. Oh, it's always about the joy. And the unfettered joy of Charlie Lambden riffing on the meaning of van life. Stay exactly where you are. You're with the right move. Subscribe to us now on all major podcast apps. 
Is it time for our first guest? Yes, I think it is. Motorhome Baron, no less, host of the uh, the Motorhome Map podcast and someone who Simo, can get you fully equipped for van life. It's amazing, isn't it? The, the experience that Matt has. And, uh, you know, he's local, local to me anyway. In fact, I think I saw one of his vehicles drove past, drove past my office earlier today. It's uh, something really looking forward to this conversation. So uh, shall, we, uh, shall we get him on now? Go on then, twist me arm. Matt Sims, a.k.a. Motorhome Matt. <laughs> I run the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm also MD of the Motorhome Holiday Company and own thatleisureshop.com, amongst other things. Yeah, a variety. And, and going into motorhomes, Matt, came from this pretty dark place, didn't it? A loathing of tents. <laughs> I hate tents. Yeah. How did you know that? I have terrible memories of family holidays in the rain. And I remember... Pulling up on a campsite, my dad getting out of the car, in pouring rain, putting the tent up in his underpants, and then we all piled into the tent and unpacked while dad dried off and got dressed. <laughs> nice. I, I I do appreciate the, the, the vision there you've just conjured. With... <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't dwell on it for too long. No, let's, let's not. But I also did chuckle at your description that the, uh, quote, mangy camp shop was... <laughs> was only open for two hours a day. It was, yeah. It was terrible. It was, oh, just rubbish. <laughs> but what... we go to campsites now with much, either very basic yeah. or really nice facilities. Two hours a day, doesn't? it's no good to man nor beast, is it really? No. It's not helpful. So what? why did motorhomes win out for you over caravans, let's say? Uh, well, that's a good question. I grew up in static caravan, on holidays in static caravans. I guess my our first foray into motorhome ownership was an American RV, an old thing called Phoebe, which we borrowed from a friend. And it was a great big six and a half litre V8 diesel, huge great thing from, oh, I don't know how old it was, very old. And we borrowed it and basically we never gave it back. Um, we loved it. Phoebe became very much part of our family. And uh, we ended up buying her some years later um, you know, the guy I borrowed it from now <laughs> never used it. Uh, and it lived on our drive and she became very much a part of our family until she rotted out and fell apart and we sold it to someone who was going to try and do her up. So I, I don't know what happened to Phoebe. I would say that sounds like it's one of those perspective uh, George Clark things, doesn't it? Where somebody does a whole lot of amazing welding and adds a beam there and some kind of wood effect there and it just becomes this transformed uh, end to the air, you know. Maybe that's what happened to her. I don't know. I suspect not. So, Matt, you know, is there this sort of motorhome fraternity thing that goes on? Can motorhomers spot a non-motorhomer from a mile off? We do wave at each other. And that's, yeah, although sadly more and more people are not doing it. And, you know, I'm frantically waving at people. I catch myself doing it when I'm in the car and people just look at me and go, what's wrong with you? Uh, but, yeah, motorhomers do wave across the motorway at each other as we pass. We feel like motorbikes, yeah, motorcyclists, we nod at each other. So, yeah, there is a fraternity, definitely. But, of course, it's boomed hugely in the last few years, especially. Uh, and uh, it's become a hugely popular pastime with people who've never done it before. So just walk us through some of those stats and trends of course yeah so we the big thing that's changed is, is price uh so the cost to purchase a motorhome or camper van or caravan they've they've skyrocketed by 20 30 percent uh so people that bought a, a vehicle a leisure vehicle in 2019 
probably selling it now for more than they paid for it. Uh, even if they bought it brand new, uh, it's just prices have become astronomical. It amazes me that £100,000 for a motorhome is now the norm. Uh, and it's just deemed as an acceptable number. Uh, it still makes my toes curl, really. Um, but, of course, COVID saw that we couldn't travel abroad and record numbers of people went out and bought motorhomes uh, and, you know, for the first time. And we, as an industry, pretty much sold out uh, across the country. New vehicle sales, you know, we typically see 14,000 new registrations a year. That happened but in a much shorter space of time. Uh, and then used vehicles were just being balls up left, right and centre. And this is from dealers who had been shut for months, you know, unable to trade and doing nothing. Uh, and were kind of, you know, starting to sell motorhomes for almost a loss just to survive. And suddenly there was this massive demand that was unprecedented and we, no one could have really predicted it. Uh, and it came upon us all very, very, very quickly. And in our own business, we have a motorhome hire business. We did not cope. It was ridiculous. We opened the gates at nine o'clock one morning and by two o'clock in the afternoon, I said, that's it. We have to shut the gates. And we crept around for two weeks so people didn't know we were in uh, because we we were just inundated. And, you know, phone calls, we just hundreds of them every day, way more than we could return with people just wanting to book. For the first time, never done it before, but saw motorhome holidays suddenly as the only way they could get that, you know, that breakaway that they craved uh, and unable to travel abroad. So it, it became a very, very, very popular pastime, huge demand. And uh, and that demand is still out there. Uh, and now, of course, we're faced with massive supply chain issues, which are still prolific with people waiting two years for a new motorhome to arrive from date of order. Uh, and and motorhomes arriving worth 20%, 30% more than when they ordered it. Um, it's just a bizarre time for us as an industry. It sounds it, Matt. And so, so the hiring thing, would you say it's fair to say that that is that kind of initial dip your toe in the water before it's likely that somebody then buys and potentially, I suppose, even then to take it to the nth degree, does the whole van life thing and, and could take themselves off for months, maybe even years on end and live off grid? Is hiring that sort of that necessary litmus test? Do you think now? For many, yes, it has been. That's true. And but I think post COVID, it was let's just do it. Let's just buy one. Mm. Uh, and people did just go out and buy one. Bought in totally the wrong thing. You know, naively just we just need a motorhome. And people had money, of course, because you know they'd been at home saving it, not spending it. Uh, and you know, interest rates were still incredibly low at that point, and so borrowing was easy. Uh, or cheaper than it is today. Uh, and so people did just go out and buy one. A lot of people did just go and hire one. Um, but I think, you know, the market's calmed down a little bit. So there's a little more sensibility in the market where people are trying before they buy. And it's what's great for us is, you know, a few years ago, the idea that you could hire a motorhome was a bit of a, a kind of, really? You can you can hire a motorhome? Uh, and and now it's become yeah you know lots of people have gone and bought them and are now having a go at hiring out themselves. Our insurance company there's one really one underwriter and one broker that kind of own the market. Saw so record numbers of people taking up new insurance policies for for hire, and and I think this year they'll see record numbers of people not renewing as well because you know in reality it's really hard work. So 
I think yeah, we're seeing a return of people that still want to try before they buy. Uh, it amazes me that we, in ninety percent of our customer base, are still new to us. And I thought we flushed them all out in twenty twenty, but you know we definitely didn't. And we're seeing still you know higher numbers than average booking with us, and we're still booming. So you know for that we're grateful. What about the evolution of motorhome design? When you're staying inside one for maybe a couple of weeks or so, you're asking a lot more of the inside than the outside. Yes, and of course they come very, very well equipped these days. Uh, flushing toilets are the norm. Most motorhomes have a, a shower, hot water, heating. They come with Wi-Fi, uh, smart TVs are very commonplace, so you can watch Amazon Prime or Netflix and Apple TV. It, it, you've got all the home comforts on the road uh, and there's no reason not to have them things like leather interiors are very commonplace air conditioning in the roof if you're going somewhere where it's hot all of those features are very much you know standard standard play really these days a typical driveway or on-street parking isn't generally going to accommodate it's not going to cut it someone's got designs on a moto so is is that side of it quite problematic, Matt? You know, the, obviously somebody's got the, the financial wherewithal to buy one, but then wh where do you put it unless you've got a huge driveway? Yeah, well, I, I mean, would you buy one and you're not going to live in it on your driveway, are you? <laughs> well, no, I hope <laughs> Unless you have an argument, I suppose. New builds, I mean, many of them don't even have a driveway uh, and, and there's no real parking, you know, because, you know, parking is, the car is evil, isn't it, these days? it seems. Uh, so parking a motorhome can be problematic. And there are places that you can take them which are secure, designed to store motorhomes and caravans. In fact, I own such a business. Um, and and we, get, we have 200 odd motorhomes and caravans stored there and parked there probably 48, 50 weeks of the year when they're not being used. So, you know, if you've got a big driveway, great. The problem with putting a motorhome on your driveway is when it's not there, you tell the world that you're on holiday or you're not at home. So there is a security risk with putting one on your drive if you're able to. So for those living in one, it's a huge topic as to where you can park. And it's often referred to as wild camping. And we have an episode that on exactly that topic. It's a complete misquote of a term because wild camping is going off with a tent on your own and you know, arriving somewhere at sundown and leaving at sunrise on arriving on foot or horseback that's wild camping but it's a term that's been adopted by the van life community and that's a, a hashtag which has massively exploded on instagram uh, and i find it fascinating the people that choose to opt out of bricks and mortar for a season or permanently, you know, we have lots of customers that have sold their home, they've bought a motorhome or camper van, and they're off. We interviewed one couple who, he's a retired police officer, he came home one day and told his wife, I've sold the house. She didn't know it was even on the market. Okay. <laughs> they then promptly sold all their possessions. She was on board with it, I would add. He went off and bought a, a great big motorhome, yeah. completely blindly, never had one before, and they were currently in Spain and they're touring around uh, touring around Europe. And for them, they're fortunate there are restrictions on how long you can spend in Europe in the Schengen zone, uh, 90 days since we Brexited. So, but for them, she's Irish. So, you know, they have a right to stay there 
permanently and they are and they're touring around france spain portugal italy oh they've got huge travel plans in their retirement so it's not just the 20 somethings you know and when i think of van life i think of that ripped blonde you know six-packed young man mm. with a gorgeous young lady and they're, they're sort of jumping elegantly into a blue pool <laughs> you know yeah. that's not me i can tell you um at 50 something and <laughs> Never missed a free lunch or a free bottle of wine. So you can imagine it'd be me bombing into a swimming pool somewhere. Um, but, you know, van life is for anyone of any age and people are doing it. But it's a big topic around where you can park. And the rules around trespass changed last year. Uh, and so it's a hot topic and a big topic of discussion for us with our audience on our podcast. It is a challenge, yeah. When you're about to hit the road, what are the best resources for knowing which are the good sites and all of that sort of planning stuff, I guess? Some great apps, you know, to name a few. There's something called Search for Sites. Uh, is a brilliant app. Park for Night, number four, Night, uh, is another app. And these places feature, uh, these uh, apps feature places you can stay, which aren't necessarily campsites. So an increasing number of pubs are offering their car parks to motorhome live near dwellers mm. and to come and maybe for 10 pounds or possibly for free if you then eat in the pub you can stay the night in their pub car park um there's also a, on the continent there's a, a a type of campsite called an air and and these are places where you can park you pay a fee for doing so and it's it's a it's an interesting topic that we are that we, there's a campaign group called campra and they are the campaign for real airs in the uk where landowners can monetize their space by allowing motorhomes to come and park. And as a motorhomer, we're not allowed to get your awning out. You're not supposed to set up an encampment, so you can't get the barbecue out. It's literally somewhere safe, secure, that you can park up and sleep, and you pay a small fee for doing so. And the landowner is encouraged to offer a, a sewage point where people can dump their toilet waste safely and sensibly, and maybe fresh running water. Uh, so, you know, we can service our motorhomes, stay the night safely, pay a small fee and head on our way. Um, and people can stay there for long periods of time. You know, if it's an area of outstanding natural beauty, they might want to stay and enjoy the view for a few weeks. Uh, so this is a, is a big campaign to encourage people with land to consider doing this. OK, so that's that's Campra, not obviously not, yeah. not to be confused with Camera. No, Campra, the campaign for real layers, campra.org.uk. They'll yeah. love that I'm giving them a shout out because it's a, it's a not-for-profit organisation and they are campaigning councils nationally across the UK to rethink this and encouraging landowners to, you know, to join them and offer this air facility, which is a, originally, I think it's a French type of campsite, but they're prolific on the continent uh, and people can travel the whole continent in Europe and never book a campsite. You just you know, stay at these airs. So a couple of final thoughts uh, there, Matt. So driving one, is it that different to driving a long wheelbase transit, for example? And, you know, do you need to go and have a few lessons beforehand? No, it's dead easy. It, it basically is a long wheelbase transit, man. If you've driven, if you've driven a big car, you, anyone can drive a motorhome. It's easy. People think they're massive, you know, and, and they're sure they are bigger. You're, you're higher up. Uh, so you've got a great view of the road ahead. You're on holiday generally, mm -hmm. so you're not in a rush. You know, you just take your time. Uh, it, people focus how long they are, but that's an issue. The length is really not an issue. The bigger issue is actually the width right. and the height. Mm -hmm. 
you know, because once you're driving, everything just follows you. You know, it's only become the length only becomes an issue when you go backwards yeah. or take a corner, um, and that's when it can go wrong because there's often an overhang, so people can turn a corner and the back end can kind of clip the fence post. And for our hire team, that's a very common mishap. Uh, but they're really, really easy to drive. I have to say, the new Fiat chassis and the new Ford chassis are just fantastic. Steering is really light. They're just they're like driving a really nice car. Um, slightly noisier with all the cutlery in the back. <laughs> but now, honestly, never let that perturb you from having a go. Definitely, I mean, practicing in one is a good idea, but you really don't need to. You, you know, within a few minutes, you've got to grips with it. Uh, and uh, they're really, really easy to drive, yeah. Many of us will have seen people towing very small cars behind a motorhome so that I guess that yeah. uh, they haven't got to drive the van around the place that they're staying in. They just hop into that two-seater thing. But presumably you've, you've fairly limited with that old guess, Matt. You, you, surely you, you're not about to tow a, an SUV or, or bigger. It depends on the vehicle. So you know, big American RVs to the American sort of meet the Fokker style can tow. Mm. Yeah, I've got a friend who's got a big American motorhome. They tow a Range Rover um, because it can. This is where people compare motorhomes and caravans and get it wrong because they are apples and pears. Mm. I liken it to a bicycle wheel. So with a caravan, you kind of go to the hub and park up and you use the car to do all the spokes to those destinations around the rim. Whereas with a motorhome, you can just travel the rim and, you, you know, every night you're in a different location and that's the freedom of a motorhome. You can pack up in half an hour and be on your way. You can't do that easily with a caravan. But you know, not everyone wants to take the car into the cities, particularly with the increasing clean air zones. Your motorhome may not be compliant. So people do tow a car and it gives them that flexibility to you know, go onto a seafront. Lots of car parks have got high restrictions. So motorhomes aren't welcome there. And that's why you have the car. So... You know, the car gives you that flexibility, but then, you know, you've got to, when you arrive, you've got to park a motorhome and a car. And when you're towing a car, you can't reverse. Uh, so it's a it's a considered decision to, you know, have that kind of rig where you're towing a car. And going on the continent, the car has to be on a trailer. They're not big fans of the car being towed on the ground. It needs to be on a braked trailer. So then suddenly you're dealing with three vehicles, you know, the motorhome, the car, and the trailer. So it's, it becomes you know, quite complicated, but you do see people doing it, and and that's just about, I suppose, flexibility. But e-mobility is real. You know, electric bikes give that freedom as well, and you know, just regular bikes, and they're becoming increasingly popular, smaller and lighter, and easy to take, and more affordable too. So we're seeing a huge boom in in this sector buying into the electric bike form of transport. They you know they they unlock cycling for people who've maybe never done it. Or haven't done it for a long time. Matt, it's been absolutely great having you on the podcast. And uh, this is the right move, talking all about van life. The singing estate agent, I kid you not, an estate agent who sings to market property is not too far away, not too long to wait at all. It's a corker. Uh, but right now, we're talking about life in a motorhome, off-grid, van life, all that stuff, and away from, you know, the traditional bricks and mortar. Um that's one thing, but um, we're going to hear shortly from a guy who has actually done it, done it for the best part of a year with his partner and their young daughter uh, around parts of the UK and Europe. Before we get to, to Andy Simo, I mean, you're, you're a fair authority, aren't you, in one respect on the uh, motorhomes? 
I wouldn't say an authority, but you know, I do enjoy getting away in in hours, and uh, you know, it's it's fun, funny because we started off when um, before we had kids. Well, in fact, when we had uh, the children, um, early days, we were still in tents, and then uh, you know, a bit like Matt, you know, talking about at the start of his his piece, then just now about uh, you know starting off in a tent and moving on, and. Uh, <laughs> I remember we went out uh, for one uh, weekend away and uh, uh, Charlie, my now 12-year-old, just, he was woken up in the middle of the night by a mole burying his way from underneath the tent. Um, I shouldn't laugh, but uh, uh, from that from from that weekend on, uh, Tracy said to me, next time we go away, it will be in a caravan. See so, yeah, it a week later... We went out to the dealer and we bought this caravan and, uh, you know, it was it was fantastic. We had such great fun in it and it was all about taking the kids to places that they may not have been before and you know, at that sort of fairly reasonable cost. Um, it, since then, I mean, that was back probably 10 years ago and since then, caravans have just increased in price and, and so have motorhomes. But we got to the point where some friends of ours went from a caravan into a motorhome they used to sort of talk to us about going abroad and how great that was. But I just didn't fancy towing this great big caravan over the continent. And so we decided we'd go into a motorhome. I think that was about 2016 and we bought our first motorhome. Uh, but it was a, a dirty great tag axle job, you know, twin twin rear axles. And, uh, you know, we went to France and actually we, we got to some campsites where they turned us away and they sort of came out screaming, oh, no, 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 no you're too big. But, it, it, you know, it wasn't that much bigger. So we um, we upgraded again back back then to another motorhome, and I think that's the thing. You know, you, you you always see something that you fancy that's better. Mm. And we always said that if we didn't do France, unless the kids got a bit older, if we didn't tour, we'd go back into a caravan because being in in the UK, being in the caravan is probably a bit easier because you tow your home and then you can drive around places and see things. But it's so much more complicated to set up. You know, with a motorhome, you can just roll in. Practically, you're ready to to go. Um, obviously, caravan's slightly more complicated, as I say. And and I said back last year, as we're getting busier in the business, and we, you know, we we were finding less and less time to to go away. Actually, having we made the decision to to go back to a motorhome so that we could do practically those one night stops. Yeah. Um, because you know, if I'm working on a weekend and want to get away on the, just a, for one Saturday night, for example, I don't have to then worry about how long it's going to take me to pack up and get home the following day. So the motorhome really works for me in that respect. And so, yeah, we've gone back to one. And then actually this summer we're planning a bit of a tour and uh, we're going to do a bit of Europe, Italy, France and do a big loop and circle back up to, uh, back home. Yeah. And keep it mole free as well. Can't beat a mole. I am a mole. I don't live in a hole. Let's do that. Um, do you, do, yeah. don't, don't, don't put that to music. <laughs> we might have to talk about molehills and houses and stuff. Oh, but, uh, well. I mean, just a really, really quick thought before we hear from uh, Andy. Do you think that now you're fairly representative in that having a motorhome, you just now, you wouldn't think of using B&Bs, hotels, that sort of thing, that it's just right, that is it. That That is your holiday home, as it were. Yeah, it's a really good option. Uh, I think if you're, yeah, if you if you've got the opportunity to, we we haven't got ours is quite a a, a larger motorhome, obviously to fit a family in. There are the the, the more camper vanny um, Volkswagen T fives and things like that, but they can be used more for for travelling into cities and things. I mean, ours is a 
is based, it's a coach built, so it's based on a sort of um, big van chassis, but then with a almost like a caravan, if you like, bolted on the back. And it's so it's a bit bigger. You, you're trying to get that into car box, and these is a bit of a nightmare. We've got friends that have got VW vans, and you know they still go away as families. But I kind of wanted a little bit more creature comfort than um, than that. But yeah, you're right. We can we can do those one nighters, and there's so many pubs and other places that create those stopovers. You know, in France, for example, it's just completely made for motorhoming, and um, you, know, you can um, you can go to. In fact, in France, there's a it's slightly um, uh, the the name of it is uh, perhaps slightly strange, but uh, called France Passion. So if anyone is travelling in France, France Passion opens up producers like vineyards and farmers, cheese producers, and and all these people, and they they let you stay for free at their home at their 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 site. You you obviously have to call in advance and things mm. and make sure there's space. But they as long as you buy their produce. They're more than happy to open their doors and let you stay. And that's really, it's such a fun way of traveling. And I hope we'll be able to do a bit of that ourselves in the summer. Yeah, excellent culture. So uh, why don't we hear from Andy, who spent the best part of a year traveling around the UK and, and some of Europe even in a motorhome with his partner and young daughter. Andy, where exactly did you guys go and for how long? So we, in the end, we did about uh, nine months, I think just over nine months. We did uh, England, France, Spain and Portugal nice big circle and uh, did some slow and some fast travel and what was the thing because i'm assuming there was uh, a particular thing that made you think we've got to do this it was that complete change and the i, I think just that ability to just not worry about anything other than what we're going to do today uh, where we're going to go and actually have a bit more of a self-contained uh life rented out the house and just actually let's be free because actually we're not getting any younger Scarlet was four at the time, and we just like, well, actually, if we take her now, she's not going to miss any real schooling. Yeah. Actually, this is a good time to do it. If we don't do it now, we're not going to do it for, for years. And, and we love traveling, and we love just, just being free. So we thought, right, let's just get off and do it. But now's the time. So when you were choosing that van, what spec did you go for, and what were the considerations? So I think the most important thing is to look at the layout of, of, of a motorhome. So what you've got to think about is where are you sleeping? Have you got a privacy area? How do you get in and out of the toilet without disturbing anybody? There's some real basic things there. For us, we wanted to, to be able to put, you know, Scarlett to bed. Uh, so she, she went to bed on our side and we closed the doors so we could watch TV or, or play cards or chill out or do whatever. And she was in a contained space. And then we used to just move her to a drop-down bed in the lounge when we went to, to bed at night. And that worked absolutely perfectly. But some motorhomes would only have a curtain between the bedroom and the lounge, as an example. Mm. So actually, you, you don't get privacy and you don't get that, that quietness. So that that was quite important for us. Other people not so bothered. So I think the key thing for me is is to have a look at the layout, make sure you've got the right layout, and then think about once you've you've got the right layout, what facilities do you want? You know, do you want to cook? What sort of standard cooking do you want? Fridge, and then the size of your garage is quite important as well. You know, what are you going to put in it? You're going to put your bikes in there. You're going to put barbecue in there. You're going to put table and chairs. You want it large enough so you can get all of your stuff in there, but also big enough so you can get it, get your stuff in and out quickly. If that makes sense, uh, because. 
the target we always had was could you be set up morning now barbecuing beer in hand within 10 minutes <laughs> that that's the the thing you want to get to yeah. if you can achieve with your motor <laughs> setup you're you're away as a, as a yardstick, I like that, Andy. Yeah, that, that works, I think. Motorhome, Matt, as he's known on the podcast, uh, that we've just been hearing from, was saying, of course, now, you know, the sky's the limit with uh, the stuff that you can get, obviously, in terms of the tech, particularly as well, smart TVs, if you want to watch your Netflix. But let's just say, I don't know, did your route take you anywhere where you were pretty much in the middle of nowhere and there was no, say, 4G, 5G? And, and so did you did you fall back generally on the board games? Did it go back to sort of the fairly rudimentary entertaining yeah we did have that we used to play backgammon we used to play rummy cub lots of games we downloaded emergency uh, videos and things onto our ipads when we had signals so if we wanted to watch anything we could always do that you know got it downloaded if we couldn't get a signal um but lots of games to play lots of uh you know chilled out things to do i don't think we ever got bored of an evening and Andy, from your experience, which country or region was the most accommodating to uh, to vanners? The easiest one, and if you're starting out, uh, it's quite logical, is actually France, because they have lots of what they call airs, so camping car airs, and and there's lots of convenient places. So uh, as an example, if you want to go down the Loire Valley and sit with the chateaus. There, there is just network of airs which are motorhome dedicated stop-off points. So you can just literally stop there, pull up at the, the night, you know, have, have something and then go and see a chateau in the, the morning or whatever you want to do. And typically they're 14, 15 euros, super easy to get into, get set up and off you go. And then there's, there's loads of, if you think in the UK, we're probably one-third motorhomes, two-thirds caravans. France is much more only a third caravan. Everybody else is motorhomes. So there's lots of drop points if you want to drop your grey waste. There's there's lots of service places for motorhomes in addition to traditional camping grounds. So it's really easy. You can get lots of apps to download and just navigate uh, around quite easily. And, and if, if you're a novice travelling abroad on that it, it, with a motorhome, uh, I found it it's super easy, very relaxing. Uh, initially, I thought it was going to be quite stressful, but actually it isn't. Driving duties, Andy, were you sort of quite territorial about it? Good to share, or, or did you think, no, no uh, well, I like being in the wind. So, <laughs> so one of the issues on that, uh, Carmen would have loved to drive, yeah. but uh, it was four and a half tonnes, our motorhome. So I was allowed to drive on a C1 licence. She wasn't because she passed after the cutoff. And they changed that legislation, EU cutoff, in, I think, the 90s. So I passed my test before there. I could drive up to 7.5 tonnes, and she could only drive up to 3.5 tonnes. So she had some some sneaky drives around the uh, campsites. But uh, I, I was the one doing all the driving on, on the motorway, which is fine, actually. Yeah. yeah um, well, well, I mean, I don't feel like, from what you've said so far, that you've built to pull out any, what would you call, worst bits. But I'm, I'm going to ask you anyway for... You know, one best bit, I guess, and one worst or at least challenging bit to, to do what you do. <laughs> I think anything involving toilet cleaning out accidents, I, I think that can be a bit unpleasant. You, you deal with it. That's probably the most unpleasant bit. I mean, changing the toilet cassette is normally fine, yeah. 
Uh, but there was one particular case where, where I think we had a leak kitchen and then Scarlett didn't realise that the toilet cassette was being changed. So that was, that was quite an epic, but you get over it. So that, that was probably about the, the worst experience. Best experience is so many good things, but I, I think we had, I, I just remember biking in the Spanish mountains. We had e-bikes, we, we, we were cheats, uh, as, as somebody called us. But actually, you know, I, I had a Scarlet in a trailer. She was four then, so we put her on a trailer at the bike, back of the, the bike, and, and uh, two e-bikes. And we just cycled across Spanish mountains. Sunday morning, just came to a square. It was December, but it was still... 24 degrees something like that and we just had a, a fantastic you know just brunch 11 o'clock 12 o'clock uh in a square in in spain with just super fresh bread and and sandwiches and, and all the rest of it and and a couple of drinks and uh and soup for scarlet and it was just like well actually this is the life just completely unexpected super relaxed and it and it was it was nice food but homemade food and, and and we ate there for, for 12 euros, would you believe, for the three of us for lunch and some beer. But the air was so clean. You felt like everything was, was nice and relaxed. The people were so friendly. The food was so good. It was so cheap. And it, it, it was just proper, you know, relaxing. And that's what it's all about, really, going somewhere you didn't expect. And, and you just stumble on something like that. And it's it just fantastic. For anyone toying with the idea, what advice would you give if you can do a hire for a week or two and see how you get on with it before you jump in. So make sure you try and explore a little bit, take a, a short break if you can and see how it goes. And, uh, and you'll find pretty rapidly, uh, there's a certain amount of stress on, you know, parking up and getting set up and doing all those things. But once you've done it and you do it again, it's super easy. And those things then become, you know, relaxing. So I would encourage you just to, to hire it for a, a small time. Uh, they're quite expensive to hire for a week or so, but but I would encourage people to do that and then just just get off and do it. Of course, make sure you know when the cassette is in or out. <laughs> yes, you're, 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 the toilets are, are quite easy actually to work, so I've sounded I've made it sound worse than it was. Cheers, Andy. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks again to uh, to Andy. I, I know that he didn't say anything about the right toothpaste, Simo, but I know I know that you know. I know he knows. <laughs> It's time to hear from Charlie now and his take on van life. Charlie says. Charlie says. Charlie says. Van life. Yeah. It's something you hear quite a lot about these days, isn't it? But not always in, in relation to moving home. It's more to do with these digital nomads Instagramming and influencing from around the world than their van life. But actually, it turns out that about a third of my followers are people who have sold and are waiting to buy. Some of those have moved back in with their parents, some of them are renting, and some of them have van life. But the story that really sticks to me is a chap who said to me that he sold late last year and he used his deposit funds for the next purchase to buy a Winnebago and he's got his Starlink internet set up and he's on the road. And he said the depreciation he might be incurring in, in the Winnebago while he drives around Europe is more than offset by the rent he's not paying, and he's also having the time of his life that he wasn't even planning to have. Obviously, he's someone who's, who's uh, able to work remotely, so that allows him to keep on working from wherever he is, but he says he's having the time of his life, uh, and it makes him in absolutely no hurry whatsoever to buy his next home. <laughs> I, I think for those of us 
those of us, those people, because I'm not one of them, who perhaps doesn't have the obligations of children and that kind of stuff and has a working and home life scenario that allows a few months on the road, shall we say, one amazing way to spend the time between selling a home and buying your next one. Definitely. I mean, it makes it, it makes viewings a bit harder. You've got to be around to, to, to do viewings, obviously. But if you just want to pass the time waiting for the market, then uh, what a great way to do it. Uh, what a fun topic, guys. Talk to you soon. Now, just when you thought you'd exhausted all the possible ways to market a property, how's your singing voice? Well, as I said, I'm tone deaf, JP. You know that. So, uh, so no, not for me. But uh, I am absolutely... Uh, excited by the, uh, the 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 injection of fun and the uh, injection of some um something completely different in uh, in this little piece how far would you go to market a property so that you just knew it was going to stand out how about the agent not only appears in the property tool video but sings about the house in her own version of Limal's never-ending story, The Never-Ending Property. This old house, there's so much here to see. Living room. Claire Cossey of Just Knock Estate Agents in Leighton Buzzard is the singing agent. Well, where I've been a professional singer for longer than I've been an estate agent, mm. um, I effectively um, had a property that just wasn't really shifting. Mm. So I just said to my business partner, you know, I'm going to do this. And he just looked blankly at me and went, <laughs> OK. <laughs> because it's my own agency, I can do what I want, yeah. really. So yeah. if it's going to work, then it was going to work. Um, and I did it and it went a little viral locally. Yeah. And each one I do does go quite far, which does give more exposure, which more exposure leads to more viewings. So there is method in the madness. But this particular one has gone viral without me doing anything. And I, I can't sound surprised, and I have to, I have to hand it to you, Claire, for making air source heat pump fitted scan. I mean, that's that's just genius. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that's one of my better lyrics. I think it, re it really is. I, I can speak with a, a bit of experience on this because although I've never done it for agency, when I was uh, working in radio, particularly in commercial radio, we kind of do quite a lot of this stuff, but for other subjects. So you might take a news story and then, you know, make a parody song, but using the melody from something well known, you know, something of that time and twist the lyrics and stuff. And, and I think once you've got maybe once, once I had the opening line or two, things just flowed from there. Is, is that how it went for you? That's effectively it. So finding the song that's going to suit it the most is the hardest bit. From there, the, the, the lyrics just flow. They flow really, really quickly, really easily. And it is, it's just that finding a song. I was going to say, are there any genres that or stars that are off limits? Who knows? Could you do one in the style of Stormzy? Can you see a rap? You become <laughs> the rapping agent. <laughs> Yo, I'm... Uh, no. <laughs> Weirdly, there are a couple of little things I have to do. One is it's got to be a popular song, so it's yeah. got to be something that's wide range. It's easier to do slightly older songs than it is to do slightly newer mm. because it's got more of a reach. Um, yeah. The reason for the Stranger Things song, um, I know it's obviously Lamal and it's the never-ending story, and I remember the never-ending story, but since Stranger Things has come out, they actually featured that song in there as well. Yes. So it meant that it's getting a much wider audience and it's kind of the reason why I chose that particular song. Is every vendor now going to expect this service from Just Knock, Claire, do you think? 
Not everyone, no. I mean, it's it's bizarre. I cannot, wouldn't, cannot, and wouldn't do it for somebody whose uh, property I'm selling because they've, um, their, you know, their, their family members passed away. I think it'd be a bit, a bit inappropriate. Mm, yeah. And the same with them, um, with divorced couples. You don't tend to find they're not, they're not as overly interested in it either. But then I, I've got others where I've gone. Do you want me to do this? And they go, Oh, it's brilliant, but no, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so. Maybe you could just do private ones that never have to air on, you know, the, the portals and stuff or your own website or YouTube. They can just have them as a memento. Well, they could do, but it takes me quite a long time to yeah. make them. So, yeah. you yeah. know, start to finish is about 10 hours. So they're not wow. they're not a five minute job, though, as you know. Yeah. And I, I like the way you were very nearly well, you were kind of video bombed by a dog. Was that is that your dog <laughs> that jumps on the sofa? or? <laughs> no, the, the dog that jumped on the sofa is actually the owner's hat, right. um, dog. She's got two dogs and everywhere I went, the dog followed me. So I went, well, do you know what? If I can't get him out of the shot, he's yeah. going to stay in. Yeah, he'll, he'll want to cut, you know, what royalties, <laughs> some <laughs> <for> profit. <laughs> uh, I think it's, it's only right that we've asked you onto the podcast. Uh, so therefore, and you've been you know, kind enough to do this at such short notice, uh, uh, please, by all means, give your agency a plug, Claire. No, oh, that's okay. I've, um, it's a... Uh, just knock. I think everyone's starting to know us as the brand name of the Singing Estate Agent. There is so much you can do. The never-ending property. Ah. I mean, how brilliant is that? Thanks a lot to uh, Claire of Just Knock Estate Agents in Leighton Buzzard in Bedfordshire. Uh, just inspired. You think we should counter that, Simo? Oh, please. <laughs> what have you got in mind? Well, I did mention Stormzy to her, didn't I, about rap. She wanted to steer away from... Maybe we could corner the rap market for property tours. Go on. Yeah, but no, but yeah, but no, but yeah, but no, but... Yo. Word to the portals. In it, bruv. Big up the viewing massive. Here's drive. It's got an EPC, you know what I'm saying? Online conveyancer, zero delay. Gone into the loft, you got a nice skylight. Check my mezzanine, it's double height. The neighbours are good, the hood is nice. Apart from number five, which was raided by Vice. Decking at the front, laid lawn to the rear. The hot tub's not staying, neither is the beer. Wicked! Well, Simo, uh, I'm not entirely sure where our rap careers are heading. A bit like PJ and Duncan, I think. But uh, <laughs> what? Things never cease to amaze me. <laughs> Watchers, what has wrecked the mic? Yeah, I've sat here with, you know, I've got a baseball cap on, you know, on the side of my head. No, it's been a, an absolute pleasure, JP. Who have we got on uh, next episode? Well, next time, uh, it's the legals, isn't it? We have got uh, Claire, who will be coming on to talk about her, well, his vast uh, legal experience particularly with that sort of conveyancing vent. Yeah, and she's uh, she travelled the world mm. literally from, from top to bottom and worked uh, uh, in, in, in some very, very wide-ranging um, places. And so looking forward to talking to Claire, really. Claire's going to join us, having met up with Jerome, uh, Claire's husband, uh, didn't we, a few uh, episodes back. Uh, and uh, I wonder whether Jerome would, would join us next on, on The Wrap. You know, I think we can get a... <laughs> Little piece of je ne sais quoi there. Or, or Ginny says Crocs, as they say in Bedminster. On that note, JP. Uh, yeah, just to say that in the meantime, it'd be great to get a review of the podcast uh, from you. Please do share it with mates, family, work colleagues, etc. They'll love you for it. 
Uh, Simo, laters. Laters, 10-4, JP.